to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. doing you know i was thinking when justin was talking about how important church is and how important it is to be a part of a community eddie and tiffany you guys met each other here at church did you see there now now jesus can change your life and church can change your life you guys get married in about what how many weeks 40 days and today's right look at that look at well congratulations doubly and uh Always exciting to see what God does, and uh, church is a great place to meet somebody that you're going to marry. <laughs> it's a great place. Well, listen, we're going to be taking today, it, it's a really special day because we're going to be ordaining or setting in some of leaders here uh, who are a part of the church. We'll do that uh, at the end of my message today, but I want to make a couple of points about that because you know, we see this that's going to happen a little later, and we automatically think, well, you know, that's great for them. You know, they're getting set in. We celebrate them. Uh, but let me just make this point. There is something supernatural that's going on in the life of this church. It's incredible to watch what God is doing because God is raising people up. And he's not just raising up the people who we're going to set in as elders or the elder team today, but he is raising up every single one of you. The, the truth of the matter is this, that what's going on today is a shift. There is a, a lift that's going on right across the whole body of believers here at Park District. And, and so we're going to be sitting in these leaders, but I want you to know something, that this is about your life as well, and about what God has planned and purposed, is destined you for, and what's happening right now in your life. God is moving you up. Say, you're moving up. Moving up. Every single one of you. So be prepared for what God wants to do in you. Be expecting God to use you. And I, I, I want to speak for a few minutes before we uh, pray over these leaders. And I want to speak today on the subject of leadership. And I've entitled this message, Leadership and Greatness. Leadership and Greatness. Now, before we get into the message, why don't us just to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to profoundly speak to us. Listen, apart from what He says, I don't have anything to say. But when He speaks to us, it changes our life. It it, 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 it changes our perspective. So, Father, we ask you right now that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would speak today through the ministry of your word. I ask you, Lord, anoint me to preach. Make me a proclaimer of truth today. I ask you to open up the hearts of every single person here. Open up their understanding. Give them a will to embrace your word. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing here at Park District, how, Lord, uh, One Church Park District is moving forward in your purpose for your glory. And we just pray today, let that shift and let that amazing lift, let it happen in every single person's life. 
I pray that there will be a lifting up, Lord, to lay hold of the things that, God, you have laid hold of us for. We ask in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, Paul said to the Philippians, he said, have you taken hold of that for which Christ took hold of you? And, uh, and, and let me just ask you that question. Have you laid hold of the reason Christ laid hold of you? He didn't lay hold of you just so that when you die, you go to heaven. He laid hold of you because he wants to use you. He wants to make you, first of all, a trophy of his grace, his victory. He changes your life. He breaks the, the cycle, the old pattern off of your life, and he gives you a new hope and a new future. That's what the Bible says. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is, what, gone, and the new has come. All this is from God. And so he not only takes care of your old, but he also gives you a brand new future. That means this, he positions you for his purpose, and he wants to take and manifest his purpose in and through your life. And, and so when we talk about leadership, we're not just talking about a few select people, you know, kind of people that, you know, we think kind of glow in the dark or something, you know. We're not talking about just some people that, that occupy the platform. We're talking about every single one of us who's a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've given our life to Christ. We have a destiny. We have a hope. We have a future. Therefore, God has a plan for us, and God wants to use you. Uh, every one of you are called to leadership. I want you to know that. Every one of you are called to leadership. You are called to lead. You may not lead from the platform, but then again, you may. I believe this, even as there are already leaders that have been raised up and are, and are being raised up in this church that will lead other churches. But you're leading in some capacity, all right? Uh, you, you have a responsibility for people around you. You have a sphere of influence that God has ordained you to operate within. Therefore, people are looking at you, and you're a leader. And so I want to talk about leadership and greatness, not just leadership within the life of the church, although that is vitally important. But every single day, how you lead, how you approach your neighbors, how you approach the, your coworkers, uh, how you engage with people, because all of that is a part of what leadership looks like. And Jesus is all about leaders. God is all about leaders. Ephesians chapter 4 makes it very, very clear that the reason these equipping gifts, pastors, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, were given for, for the equipping of the saints. You're a saint. You may not always act like a saint. You may not always talk like a saint. But if you've got Jesus in your heart, you're a saint. It's for the equipping of the saints. And that, he goes on to say, for the work of ministry or in reality, for the way in which you manifest God's presence and glory through your life. And so God wants to equip you. God wants to make every single one of us a leader for his glory. So I want you to look with me in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37. And uh, there's an interesting story here. And, and Jesus is with his disciples. And, and if you've ever wondered, you know, what were his disciples really like? I, I, I'm telling you what, they were not a bunch of super special people. I mean, you know, 
these, these were not spiritual giants, folks. The, the, these were just really raw, ordinary people. I find great delight in that, to be honest with you. I'm like, man, if they can be used by God, I can be used by God. There's hope for me. These were just ordinary guys, and here they were. They, verse 33, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? Now, doesn't that sound like spiritual giants? What were you arguing about on the road? Now, this is not the only situation where, they, where his disciples are arguing among themselves. I mean, they're, they're, there's another situation where one of their mothers, and nothing's more pushy than a good Jewish mother, and, and this Jewish mother, the mother of James and John, is going to Jesus right in front of all the other disciples and saying, when you come into your kingdom, Jesus, let my boys sit on your right and on your left. And, and, and they, they literally became indignant. The other disciples like, what is your mother doing? And, and they got all upset. I mean, there were always this arguing and this pettiness going on among them. What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Now think about that for a minute. I mean, can you imagine the audacity? It's one thing to think you might be the greatest. It's another thing to be arguing with a group of people that you're the greatest. <laughs> I mean, this is a full-blown argument going on. And one's going, no, I'm the greatest. The other one's going, no, I'm the greatest. I'm greater than you. You're... I mean, this is like pettiness on steroids. <laughs> Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Notice that phrase, must be the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. You know, we were talking about Sarah just a little while ago and that precious little guy that, that she was holding in her arms. And Justin was reinforcing this. I mean, welcoming a child and how important it is. And Jesus is using a picture to teach his disciples something about real leadership, about leadership. Uh, look with me in Luke chapter 22. And, he, and Jesus is slamming, really, he's slamming the, the, the very attitude that is so prevalent among humanity, this thing about, I'm great, I'm the one that's great. Here it is in Luke chapter 22, verse 24 through 26. Here it is again. This, this is another illustration of the same problem. A dispute also rose among them which one was considered to be the greatest. This was like an ongoing problem with these guys. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over themselves, uh, call, uh, over them called themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. So, Jesus is contrasting in both of these situations. 
both circumstances, the disciples were arguing, I'm better than you, I'm greater than you, I'm more important than you. That's just like the world. And in fact, that's the mindset of the world. It, it, it may be the mindset of people where you work, where people are always fighting and clawing for position and for power and prestige. They're, they're, they're always after it. They're posi my position, uh, uh, so I feel important. You know, did I get the office that was the one that's got the best view? You know, my power, so I can act important. My prestige, so I can look important. Everything on the surface is all about me, me, me. So you see, worldly success always focuses its attention on that individual. It's always about me, always about me. But listen, when we start talking about leadership within the kingdom of God, it's a totally different set of circumstances. Now, in a little while, we're going to be setting in and ordaining leaders in the life of this church. I said every one of you in this church are called to leadership. You see, you're not called to be that kind of leader like the disciples were before they were experiencing the fullness of God's Spirit at work in their life. Uh, we're, not, we're not focusing everything. It's not always about us. And Jesus uses this word. He says, you will be the servant of all. The servant of all. Like, you, you should give yourself to others rather than making yourself the object. It's not about me feeling important. It's not about me looking important. It's not about me acting important. But true kingdom leadership is about others. Uh, there, there was Agnes Gonya Biochi. Have you ever heard that name? You actually probably know who I'm talking about. You just don't know her by that name. She was a little Macedonian woman. She was born in 1910 and in 1949 formed the Missionaries of Charity as a Catholic nun and served the poorest of the poor on the streets of Calcutta, India. And I'm talking about Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa, she literally gave her life serving people that had nothing to give back to her. She gave herself for people who couldn't do anything for her to help her. And literally that act of service rocked the world. It drew the attention of the entire world. So, so much so that in 1979 she received the Nobel uh, prize for peace for her work. Uh, I love what happened when after she won the Nobel Prize, uh, she was said, listen, now that you've won the Nobel Prize, you ought to, you know, go on the road and you can raise a lot of money for these people that you're trying to help on the streets of Calcutta and you would be very, very successful if you did that. Her answer was, God's not called me to be successful. He's called me to be faithful. And she went back to the streets of Calcutta. What an amazing, amazing example of true kingdom leadership as she gave her life on the, to, to obey what God had called her to do. An author and executive, Sherry L. Dew, says this, True leaders understand that leadership is not about them. 
but about those who they serve. It's not about exalting themselves. It's about lifting others up. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about what does true leadership look like within the kingdom of God? First of all, I want to, I'm going to emphasize four principles today of what true leaders do. First of all, true leaders prioritize others. True leaders prioritize others. Since it's not about me, it's about others. Since the focus is not about me, the focus is on somebody else. And it's an amazing principle when we begin to live it out and work it out in our lives. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So true leadership, first of all, prioritizes others. It makes others the focus rather than myself. It makes others more important other than me. So as a leader, how does this work out in the natural? It works out like this, that when you come into a room, you don't come into the room thinking always about yourself. You're, when you come into a room, you're thinking about other people. You know, when I come into a room, I, I look around and I, I look, most of the time, I will look for people that nobody's talking to. I don't leave them by themselves. I go up, one of the things we taught our boys from the time they were little guys, listen, you go up and you look people in the eye and you reach out and introduce yourself and you say, my name is... They were little guys. My name is Justin. <laughs> nice to meet you. Smile when you say it. Look like you enjoy it. <laughs> you are engaged. Listen, you're not there for yourself. You're there for somebody else. So when you see somebody else that has going, is going through a difficult time or a down time, listen, if you are a true leader, you're not sitting around going, well, they didn't talk to me. Well, so what if they didn't talk to you? Did you open up your mouth and say anything to them? You see, what we said, well, well, that's not my personality. I'm an introvert. Well, get over yourself. Get over yourself. We will cast the spirit of introvert out of you. You see, so you engage with them. You look for somebody who may not be engaging, and you learn how to draw them out. What are you doing? You are prioritizing them. You're making them more important than yourself. There's a huge difference in being self between being self-aware, which you should be, and self-consumed, which you should not be, all right? God has not called any of us to be self-consumed. When you walk into a room, let me just give you a little hint of information here, that, that when you walk into a room, you can examine your own soul and your own heart with this bit of information. You walk into a room, if you just kind of back up and you're not engaging, you are consumed with yourself. Now, you, you, you don't verbalize that, but that's reality. You're feeling a bit self-conscious, 
And so when you're self-conscious, you cannot be prioritizing others. You have to get past being self-conscious. Now, again, you need to be self-aware. It doesn't mean you walk in like a bulldozer and just run people over. you got to be aware. Now, there is a, uh, you know, I, 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 when I took psychology in college, I was the only extrovert in the class. I was the only extrovert. Everybody else was introverts. In fact, the majority of the population are introverts. Where you literally, the way you are wired, the way you're made, you tend to be more reserved and you tend not to engage first. That's being an introvert. Well, listen, I believe this, that when we come into the kingdom of God, we've got a new nature. We have a new spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And the Holy Spirit gives us boldness when we weren't bold before. It gives us a courage where we were not courageous before. So we need to step out past our own introverted tendencies towards engagement for the glory of God and watch how God uses us when we prioritize others and make others more important rather than ourselves. So true leaders, true leaders prioritize others. The second thing true leaders do, true leaders encourage others. True leaders encourage others. I, I love the, what the Scripture says about a certain man named Joseph in the Scripture. Uh, his, Joseph was his real name, but that's not the name that he's known by. The name he's known by is Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I mean, man alive, wouldn't it be great to have that kind of nickname? He wasn't called Joseph. He was called Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Everywhere he went, he was looking for an opportunity to encourage somebody else. You see, what is encouragement? Encouragement is putting back in what the world has stripped away. What the circumstances of life have taken out of somebody, you put back into somebody. I love that. Uh, one of the greatest encouragers I've ever met was a pastor by the name of, of Tommy Barnett. Pastor Tommy Barnett is just an amazing man. And I remember I had him come to speak for a conference that I was doing in Virginia a number of years ago. And that was the first time I ever met the man. I met him multiple times since then. But the first time I ever met him, I, I, I was astonished. I was so looking forward to this man coming. And as he came and as he walked into the room where I was, everything that came out of his mouth was not about himself. Everything that came out of his mouth was about how much he liked what he saw and how much he appreciated what had been done for him. And it was all about putting courage and putting encouragement into those that he was talking to. I'm just standing there thinking, man, alive, I'm feeling like I'm being plugged into a supercharger right now. You feel like when you come across somebody who's an encourager that you can suddenly, you may have felt down and you may have felt weak and you may have felt incapable, but suddenly somebody who's an encourager, who's putting something into you that the world has stripped out of you, suddenly you feel like, my goodness, I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Or even better, I could run through the wall and leap over the troop. It doesn't matter. I feel like, you see, that's what an encourager does. You see, if you're a true leader, you're putting something into somebody that the world has stripped away from somebody. 
The world's tough. Life can be tough. The circumstances of people's life can leave them feeling empty and feel them beat down. But listen, if, I, if I'm truly concerned that I'm a carrier of God's presence and power, uh, when I walk into the room, when you walk into the room, we ought to be walking in looking for an opportunity to give somebody something that has been taken away from them. Somebody that's been beaten down by life can find encouragement. Listen to what Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse, uh, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider... Let us consider. So there's some thought going into this. Okay, there's some, some reasoning. You're looking around. You're observing. You're considering how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, we're living in a dark, messed up, twisted world. You don't believe me? Just turn on the news. You're like, my goodness. I used to be a news junkie. But I have to tell you, over the last two years, I can't hardly watch the news anymore. I can only take it in little bits. Why? Because I feel like it's just like this giant courage sucker. <sighs> I need ministry when I finish watching 30 minutes of news. You know what I'm talking about? That's the world we're living in. And so, encouraging somebody else, seeing what God wants to do through their life is so important. You know, I make it my business now to say to people, you know what? I'm proud of you. I think you're, you're doing awesome. You're amazing. I look at what you do. You know, and I, whatever it is, last week, I, Justin, I thought that was such an amazing, amazing message. I, I, it was an incredible word. It was, it was biblically centered. It was content rich and so practical in its application. I thought, man, I wish I could preach like that. Man, that was so good. It was so good. I left built up. Did you believe built up? Like, yeah, come on. Where is that devil? And you see, that's what encouragement does. So you put something into people that the world is stripped out of people. That's what a true leader does. So when you walk into a room, you walk into your place of business. Listen, this is not just talking about Sunday morning church. This is talking about Monday morning office. This is talking about uh, Tuesday afternoon neighborhood. This is the way we live our life, you see. We become a continuing testimony to God's goodness and grace. Every time we leave someone's presence, they're like, man, I don't know what it is about them, but I just feel good when I'm around them. Yeah, I've been around some other, some other kind of people. I'm like running when they come. I want out of the way. But people that are encouragers, they're like magnets. You're like, yes, yes, yes. God calls us to that. That's what a real leader looks like. 
Look for opportunity. Let us consider, he says. So I'm looking around at their life for opportunities to give them something that the world has stripped away from them. Talk good about people. Compliment them. Speak things that lift them up. I think that's what Paul's talking about when he says, let your conversation always be seasoned with salt so that it ministers grace to the hearer. So when people hear you talking, they're not feeling like, oh, man, that is so discouraging and uh, down negative conversation. Listen, yeah, there's a negative and there's a positive. I have a choice on which one I'm going to choose to stand on, the one I'm going to choose to talk about. I choose to talk about the good things that God has and what God has for your life. This is what God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, Eddie. Plans to do you good, to give you a hope and a future. Life's getting good. It's going better. It's going to go better. We're going to make a bigger difference for the glory of God. My life is going to have uh, uh, something that, that, that counts for eternity as a result. Number three, true leaders inspire others. True leaders inspire others. Now, this word inspiration is a a wonderful word. You know, the Bible refers to itself. It says that the word of God was inspired. What does that word inspired mean? It means it is God-breathed. God-breathed. That means this, that there ought to be something, a quality and a characteristic about your life that is like God breathing on people through you. So that when when you get around people, that they're blessed and they're encouraged and they're lifted and they're, they're strengthened and faith rises in their heart. That's inspiration. That when they watch your life, that they are able to draw something from your life's testimony that says, God has a plan for my life. If God can do that in their life, God can do that in my life. You see, God breathed literally means this. If I'm going to be an inspiration to others, I've had to have had some inspiration myself. I've had to have received something from God if I'm going to give something away from God. It's not good enough for me simply to talk about God kind of in a nebulous, distant sense. I have to have walked in the fullness of the Spirit of God. You see, that's what really the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just so that we can speak in tongues and we can say, well, praise God, i got a few of the gifts of the Spirit in operation in my life. Listen, you know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about? It's really so that God becomes real to every single person around you. He first becomes very real to you, and then He becomes very real through you to everybody around you. That you literally are a carrier of the presence and the very breath of God into the lives of other people. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. You be filled with the Holy Spirit. You be overflowing with the Holy Spirit so that you can inspire others so that there is some deposit of God left in the lives of people when you come in contact with them. 
Listen to what Paul says to the Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow, listen to that, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, there ought to be an overflow from your life that when it comes out of your life into the lives of others, that it leaves this supernatural deposit, this awareness that maybe I'm walking through some tough times, but listen, I've got a God that I serve who's bigger than the toughest time that I may face. I love that song we were singing, and I see uh, uh, strongholds coming down, coming down. That's what I'm talking about. That's that, that inspiration, that breathing out of God. And number four, true leaders empower others. True leaders prioritize others. True leaders encourage others. True leaders inspire others. And true leaders empower others. Empowerment is an awesome thing. You see, most of us live our life focused on our dreams. But when I choose to empower somebody else, I'm not focused on my dream, I'm focused on their dream. You see, I wonder what it would be like if all of us started living our life to make somebody else's dream a reality. I wonder what it would be like what this world would be like if every opportunity we look, we saw we could to make someone else's dream become reality, that we could help bring that and fulfill that. You see, I believe that that's the call for true leaders. The true leaders empower others. Empowerment is about, one, putting that confidence and awareness that God has good things in store. But it's about more than that. It's not just about talking the talk. It's about walking the walk. It's not just about telling somebody God has a good plan for them. It's about helping them find and fulfill that good plan that God has for them. It's not just about taking and saying, you know, God wants to raise you up and use you. No, it's about helping push them up so that they can fulfill God's plan. It's interesting in the Old Testament when God is talking, well, at first it was, came, through the, came through his father-in-law, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. He looked at uh, the, the people that Moses was counseling, and there was this crowd of people gathered around him. And then he says to his his son-in-law, you, you can't live like this. You can't do this. You need to raise up other leaders. You need to be releasing other leaders. You need to be giving this to other people, to other people. And he said, you're to focus on this. And he gives him three things. He said, first of all, you're to teach them the laws and decrees. In other words, give them instruction in the Word of God. Teach them the laws and decrees. You're to show them the way that they're to live that's a modeling. In other words, follow me as I follow Christ, what Paul says. And then third, teach them the duties that they're to perform. And that becomes this mentoring or empowering to live out and walk out what God wants. You see, I have a calling. 
You know what my calling is? To help you find and fulfill your calling. You see, my whole purpose is to help push you in to the destiny that God has for you. My dream is to help you fulfill your dream. I want to give my life uh, the years that God has given to me left. I want to give it to helping people fulfill their dream. God has put a dream in your heart. We want to empower you. We want to see that released for the glory of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Paul says, For you know, listen to, listen to the heart that this guy has. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who called you into his kingdom and glory. You see, God's called every one of us to leadership. God's called you to leadership. God's called you to step into the lane that God has ordained for you and that you become an influencer because true leadership, John Maxwell puts it this way, that true leadership is influence. That God's called you to step into that lane of influence that he's ordained for you. And that as you do, you make an impact in the lives of people. I'll leave you with these three very practical aspects of it. First of all, you help others find God. You help others. You see, real leaders help others find God. It's not just about giving them principles for life. It's about helping them find the very source of life. You see, there's no life apart from God. He's the fountain of life. So we help people. That doesn't mean you have to go grab them by the lapels and drag them in. That's not what it's talking about. But we ought to become so much of the refreshing of the Lord in lives of people that we make people hungry for God. So we help people find God. They, they want God. Secondly, we teach them how to love God. You see, loving God is really obeying God. That's what Jesus said. He says, look, if you love me, you'll do what I say. When we teach people the value of following God, we're helping them to know how to truly love God. And then lastly, we teach them how to live for the glory of God. That every one of us have an ultimate purpose. That ultimate purpose is this, that our life will become a testimony to the greatness and the goodness of our God. So, we teach people how to live their life for the glory of God. Every one of these areas God has called us to as leaders. What an amazing opportunity every one of us have. I want to just pray for you as the church, and then we're going to set these leaders in. Father, I thank you this morning for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that you call us to a life of leadership. And that, Father, there are people right now in this room that you've already set out paths for leadership. You've already ordained and, and are bringing them into those places. And I just pray, Lord, let there be an army of leaders raised up here. Let every single one of us understand your call and your purpose for our life. May we live our lives in such a way that we prioritize others, that we encourage others, that we inspire others, that we empower others. 
Lord, just like you, you laid your life down for us. Let us lay our lives down for others. Let us live out what true leaders look like, what true greatness looks like in the way in which we serve others. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.